Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pivot and Thrive. This is your host, Kim Shea. Today, I have a guest who's going to talk to us about an issue that comes up throughout our lives, no matter what's going on. We've always deal with grief at some point in time. We lose people. It's part of life, especially longer that we live. It's something that we encounter. And I, I wanted Leslie to come on here today to talk to us about the process of recovering from grief and moving through that journey. And so her name is Leslie J. Tolan. She is an advanced grief recovery methods specialist, and she is authorized to speak with people no matter where they are in the world, which is really awesome. And she, her practice is telehealth. So let's learn more about what she can tell us, especially for the times we're going through right now with the pandemic. She'll have a lot to bring to us. Welcome, Leslie, to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kim. It's really an honor to be with you. And I am so happy that I found you because the retirement coaching that you do is invaluable for we seniors everywhere. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And and you have so much to offer today. So please tell me about your background. How did you find your way into this specialty? Sure. Thanks for asking. I am a youthful senior who has had an inordinate amount of personal losses in my own life and of my late parents, of all of the aunts, uncles on either side of my family, and some just a very uh, sad circumstances through my lifetime of losing a friend in an auto accident, another in a plane crash, and dealing with this kind of loss was something that was not taught to me ever in my family. We did not speak about loss. And I believe that what's true about perhaps many of your listeners is I found in my work as a specialist in these last five years that really what's true in our Western culture is we as Americans do not deal in a healthy way with grief. We sweep it under the carpet and In our culture, Kim, we sell Happy Meals from McDonald's, and we don't know truly how to sensitively talk about grief and loss. So when I am in a place where I lecture other therapists or other mental health practitioners, and I ask, what do you think in Western culture is the single most off-limits topic of conversation? It's so interesting to hear people who are even on the front line of dealing with loss say, I think it's death. Oh, no, I think it's divorce. Oh, no, I think it's emotions. No, Mm -hmm. it's grief. We don't know how to deal with loss. And so the definitions, I think, might be really important to share with your listeners about the work that John James, our founder of the Grief Recovery Method from 43 years ago, defined as grief. And he taught us, we specialists, when I say us across the nation and across Mm -hmm. the globe, that grief is a normal and natural reaction to loss. And yet what we do in our culture is oftentimes not normal, not natural, and very unhealthy or Grief is the conflicting mass of emotions that we feel when anything familiar changes. And when I share this with my clients, their aha about it is really interesting because even when we have something that's happy in our life that happens, we have conflicting feelings about it. For instance, I'm a senior woman who is married the second time later in life, 13 years back, and I'm now 75. So 
Even though I love, love my husband, there are moments when I miss that tiny little condo that was my own. Mm. I miss being on my own, the feisty independent lady whom I was, and yes, still am. And I'm living happily, mostly with my husband whom I love. Mm -hmm. And so we, I think in our culture, we don't often think about the mixed emotions we have about any familiar pattern of behavior when it changes. And yet when it does change, we experience grief. We just don't talk about it. Yeah, that's and that's interesting that you talk about grief. It's, I mean, some people just think it's just death, but there's grief for all kinds of things, right? Yes, there are about 40 different types of grieving experiences that we can have in our lifetime. When we have our family move from Los Angeles to New York because dad has the opening of another position and the kids are six and 10 and they're leaving their friends. Oh my goodness, this is a tragedy for them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what I've heard from clients is they'll say, well, we're going to come back and visit the kids' friends. Does it happen? Rarely. Rarely, And so that's a grieving issue. How do we handle this? It can be a very great upset for children when they're asked to move across the nation. We can have intangible losses. What we've walked through collectively in the last year and a half, we've had loss of trust, loss of safety, loss of friendships. Parents are isolated, being not only a parent, during the, uh, the COVID moment, but needing to teach their children and become a teacher overnight. It's been a really tough time for all of us. And yeah. we experience grief in some way. Yeah, a lot of kids, I imagine, I, I never thought of it as grief, but that what they've gone through with being cut off from their friends and their social life and their schools for all, the last 18 months too, that's, it came across as anger and depression, but I guess there's some grieving going on there. Yes, thank you for saying that, Kim. What I have found in my work is that every time I am dealing with anger from any client, what's so is that that anger is really grief turned inside out. Wow. And there's the upset in the moment and the angry outburst, and beneath that anger is sadness and grief and loss of some kind. And today in my work, in my private practice, I've opted to take a day every week and work at a detox center and work with clients who are detoxing from their addiction of choice. Every single time I'm in conversation with them as a group or one-on-one, I find that the use of drug or alcohol or meth or cocaine or weed, whatever that was or is beneath that was loss. And that's why they reached out for something that would numb the pain. Yeah. It's really interesting to look at that in that way. That is interesting. That's an interesting way to to understand more about other people. And also maybe to reserve judgment on what we're seeing as behavioral issues, that maybe there's some grief underlying what's going on there. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I grew up in a home that was an alcoholic home, so... In that uh, pain of my late father's early years, he became a miracle later in life and became sober at age 77. So I say to any of your listeners who are hearing us that never hold, never dismiss the miracle that can happen for anyone's recovery. It can happen later in life. 
That's and cool. when Papa died at 91, he was in fact 14 years sober, which was just miraculous. However, in those early years, I grew up with the never knowingness of the anxiety of what was that alcoholic behavior going to affect my older brothers and me. And it was traumatic. However, the trauma happens in any family. Trauma is the event. And then there's grief following the trauma. And if we don't handle that grief in a very healthy way with support from someone, either a specialist like me or a counselor of some sorts, then we're going to behave in a similar way when something upsetting happens again and again. Yeah. That definition of insanity. What is that? Insanity is walking down that same path again and again and expecting another result. Mm. I think it might be really helpful to talk about just briefly, Kim, some of the myths that we have in our culture about how we handle loss, because I feel that many of your listeners can identify were some of how perhaps they grew up in their own families. And some of the myths, the six myths that we teach in the grief recovery method, which by the way, is short term, eight weeks, a evidence-based and action-based method that's based on a book called the grief recovery method. And I use that in my educational teaching with each of my clients. So one of the first um, myths is we'll have a loss and someone might say to us, oh, Leslie, I'm sorry that your aunt died, but you know what? She's in a better place. What? Yes, intellectually, this person who just passed, whom I'm mourning and my heart's broken, or a friend who died might be in a better place, yes, and out of pain. But the uh, emotion I have is just heartbreak in the moment. People don't know what to say. We're not trained in how to responsibly deal with loss. So people will say, don't feel bad. She's in a better place. Or that you, Kim, broke up with a boyfriend when you were 16 and and someone said to you, Kim, honey, dry your tears. There are so many fish in the sea. What? What? Your heart's broken. And someone's telling you, look for the next person. But in our culture... That's what we do. And many times we look for the next person to fill our broken heart before we grieve the one that we have just lost, either through a breakup or a friendship being estranged or an aunt or uncle or parent or son or daughter who's died. And we're in heartbreak and we need to deal with that loss. Yeah. Others don't know what to say. And sometimes they'll say, replace the loss. Oh, your dog died. Let's get you a new dog. What? When you've had this dog for 10 years, a new dog is not going to help you with that loss. You need to grieve the one who just passed. A third myth is sometimes when we lose someone or something, people might say to us, Shut, don't sh- stop your tears. Maybe a militaristic father might say to his son, Stop those tears, or I'm going to give you something to cry about. Go to your room and grieve alone. What? Be strong for your little sister. She's crying too. These are myths in our culture that are painful suggestions because they're intellectual ideas for a broken heart. And grievers, when we have a broken heart, we're not broken. We're just in the moment 
for that event, brokenhearted, mm-hmm. and we need emotional support. The last two are keep busy. Sometimes we'll have someone say to us when we've had a loss, you know, I can just get another job. I know you're working nine to five, but don't think about that loss. Don't think about that breakup. Just get a second job or a third job. And so many of my clients have done that without any success because we need to have some way to nurture our heart and walk through an action program that teaches us how to process pain. Mm -hmm. And the last one is just give it time. I like to leave this last because it's so poignant. And and when I'm lecturing, many times I'll say, how many in the audience have a searing pain when you think of someone who died five years ago? Hold up your hand. Keep your hand up if you still have that pain about someone who died 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and the hands are still up. And then I will just simply say, if it were time that would heal our wounded heart, then why is it 20 years later and that pain still exists? Good point. It's not pain. It's not time, rather. It's the action we take within time that heals our heart. Yeah. I think it's um, poignant to just mention those myths because they apply so often to what others say to us when we have a loss. Yeah. People don't know what to say, and their parents didn't train them in what to say. Mm-hmm. When I was 18, today I feel any grace I have as a woman I owe to my dance teacher who was four feet 11 and had the spirit of a six-foot-tall woman athlete. She was so beautiful. Her name was Fania. From the time I was eight till I was 15, I studied with her every week. When I'm off at college, Mama, when she... My teacher died when I was 18. Mama didn't tell me till I was 20. Oh, I was furious. What? She died two years ago? Why didn't you tell me? I didn't want to upset you. Mm. Did she mean to hurt me? Of course not. She didn't know one what to say, and she didn't want me to suffer. But I suffered at the time that I found out even more because I didn't find out at the time when I could have gone to her husband, who was also a friend, and said, Max, I'm so sorry for your loss. Is there anything I can do? And this is true about American culture. We don't, in a healthy way, openly talk about loss. Are there, you you talk about American cultures. I know I think it's our desire to fix everything. We just want to fix everything and fix everybody, and let's put an end to this. But are there other cultures where you feel like there's just, it's generally known that people handle things in a more healthy way. When I was in my hospice years that I mentioned to you before we went on air Mm -hmm. in the 12 years that I I worked with hospice, it was really, and I happen to be a Jewish woman. I'm not a religious woman. I'm spiritual, but it's so sweet in our way of saying goodbye to someone that we what's called as shiva in some families, that there are six days following a loss where the loved ones gather together and just sit in memory and in honor of someone who's passed to support one another. And having that kind of a tribute is so touching. And in many faiths, just having the beauty of whatever kind of tribute where people collectively grieve together 
can be so, so wonderful and so uplifting because as grievers, we often isolate and grieve alone. And the antidote every time Kim, to grieving is participation, whether it's one-on-one with a specialist like me who serves as an emotional Sherpa, or it's in a group setting with others where people are walking through a grief process together. But that support from others is so crucial to healing. Yeah, that is nice. And I, I've noticed over my life when I lost people or when other people have lost people that it seemed like two weeks is generally when the funeral takes place and two weeks after the death. And so then it seemed like people are very concerned. They're very focused on the person who has the loss. And then after two weeks, everybody goes back to their lives. But the person who has the, the deep loss, that person carries on basically by themselves and they're expected to pick up and go back to work and go back to doing whatever they were supposed to do. Uh, but they are pretty much on their own at that point. Other people don't think about it if it's not their deep personal loss. So I, I can see where maybe being part of a group or seeing somebody like you that they're working with would be helpful because that person is ready to handle what you want to talk about. Yes. Uh, what you shared is exactly true of so many incidents that I have heard where there's that support right after a death. And then, yes, people are going to go back to their to their lives and what is so important is to have arms around us when we're grieving and a way to take action about that loss. So this is an educational program. The program I offer for eight weeks of time, it is not counseling. It is not therapy, albeit the results are so therapeutic. So many times my clients post working together will say, I'm sleeping through the night, Leslie. I don't have that searing pain in my heart right now. I feel as though an emotional baby elephant of 200 pounds is lifted from my chest. It's so heartwarming to hear that. In fact, one story that I think would be really telling is so beautiful. The circumstances, of course not, but the results, yes. And that is... A lovely woman came to me about a year and a half ago from the east part of the country. She was a psychotherapist, and she had to give up her private practice because she could no longer hold space for her own clientele because her heart was so broken about losing her son from four years before. And she, after eight weeks of time into about our sixth session together, She said, when I opened the Zoom meeting, she said, I have a message for you from my husband. I said, really? What's that? She said, he said, tell that lady, thank you. I have my wife back because I've seen her smile for the first time in four years. Wow. It was so heart touching. And many times what is so about grief is grief is cumulative and it's cumulatively negative. Many times we'll have a loss from 20 years back that we have never properly grieved and it's in our heart. And then we'll have another loss and that stays in our heart. And then currently we have one more that just breaks us. And when we walk to a specialist like Leslie and start talking about those losses, those other losses present themselves too. So sometimes I'll work with a client for eight weeks and then he or she will say, I really want to stay and work on this loss of whatever happened 15 years back. And it's so 
heart touching because when they leave, if it's eight weeks or 12 weeks or 16 weeks later, the result is so much life that's been given back to their every day. And my personal purpose is that I share, inspire, and witness personal transformation. And that's what I'm doing here. So this work is really the ideal place for me to be. It sounds like it. It sounds like you found something very fulfilling for yourself, which is fantastic. How does this, so if this isn't therapy, how does this work? Are you teaching people? Is it a workshop? What, what is going on here that is, has so much effect on people? Thank you for that question. The book that we use is called The Grief Recovery Method. I know your clients can't, your, your listeners, excuse me, can't see it, but this is the book. It's available on Amazon if anybody wanted to read it. Handbook, yeah. The Grief Recovery Handbook by John James. And what we do in those eight weeks is when I have a new client, I'll send them a hardbound copy of this book and I'll send them the auxiliary articles written by some of our senior staff and we'll begin to work on homework assignments that I will give them each week. So each week that we meet, they'll have several chapters of the book to read. It's easy reading and they'll have some homework that we'll discuss and we'll have heart-to-heart discussion. The beauty of this, when you say, how does this work? It's educational, is that in the last five years, Kim, there have been studies done at the College of Public Health at Kent State University by two researchers. And what Drs. Hallam and Nolan found is that eight weeks later with adults who walked through this program and completed all the work, is it always easy? No, it brings up loss. But with my support, or another specialist support, when that person has walked through all those weeks of reading and homework, they have had significant changes in their knowledge of, their attitudes about, their beliefs, and ultimately their behaviors about grief. As you and I both know that it's our mindset, it's our belief system that governs our behavior. And when we can change our beliefs, we can alter our behaviors. So someone will become interested in this work and they'll have a consultation with me during which time I tell them what's possible and talk with them about the payment options, which I discuss individually always. And then I will send them the book and they'll begin with the homework and we'll walk through the proven program with heart to heart, compassionate discussion each week. And they'll continue after those eight sessions if they choose to or not. And usually some of the transformation that they want to have, they already have had within eight weeks. That's amazing. That's really reassuring. Um, What was really reassuring was that one client whose story I just told you, the psychotherapist, what she said to me is that she had been in therapy with a few people and nothing worked for her. This was the first thing she found that really altered her well-being. And that really touched me. So many times I will work with a therapist who's seen a client and the therapist might not have a special niche like I do with grief and loss. Uh, And he or she will say, Leslie, will you work with my client about this issue? And then I return them to their therapist to work on the issues they were working on before, which is really a wonderful way for colleagues to work together. 
Well, it makes sense because if you say we have a culture of not being able to deal with grief very well, then it shouldn't be an assumption that just because somebody is a therapist, this is something that they would know how to deal with. Exactly. Either. So that's great. Okay. That's really nice. And well, because so, of my own losses, I knew that it was the right niche for me. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like you're in a really good spot. How do you, uh, this is more of a personal question, but how do you protect yourself if you're dealing with people and their loss? I mean, and also, I guess you did it with hospice, so it's probably your skill, but how do you protect yourself from being emotionally drained by dealing with people or energetically drained by dealing with people? That's such a beautiful question. So I mentioned early on in our conversation that I am a youthful senior Mm -hmm. and I have chosen to have this be a part-time practice. Mm -hmm. And I am very aware that self-care as any kind of clinician or practitioner or coach or specialist is the heartbeat of doing good work. So I have several things that I do on core practices to take care of Leslie, one of which is I am a devotee now for the last four years to transcendental meditation. And I practice my 20 minutes twice a day, every day, seven days a week. I also am a lover of hot yoga. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of my uh, friends my age will say, oh my God, are you kidding? I can't walk into a room of 100 degrees of heat, I die. And for me, I happen to love the heat and it's my passion. So five days a week, I practice hot yoga. And I have my own uh, specialist, senior specialist, whom I connect with when I am walking through a loss to do the homework on any kind of loss that I teach my clients to do. I'm always working on myself with my personal work. And there are times, Kim, when I know because of something being tough for me, that I have to pull back from my practice. And something happened recently about that, which is a personal loss with my husband's health. He had to walk through uh, prostate surgery, and we had to walk through just until a few weeks back, uh, 37 treatments of radiation, and that was really tough. I had to pull back on my practice to take care of myself and be present for him. So I know enough about the work and how I am a stand for my clients that there are times when, because of my own life, I will need to say, take a break. Okay. Okay. That's good to hear. That's good to hear because um, there might be some people listening who think maybe this also might be a good fit for them. A lot of times as people are entering retirement or moving through it, they want to find something that is more fulfilling to them than maybe what they've been doing all along. And there might be... A lot of people who would feel like this would be a good fit for them, but it's important to know how to take care of yourself and your own Absolutely. health. Absolutely. Yeah. And if any listener, if you're listening to us today and this touches your heart of you thinking that you might like to become a specialist, um, Kim, do you have my info that you put out somewhere somehow? Yes, there will be links in the show notes so people can click on things directly. And I have your website, which is lesliejtolan.com. And I'll also include the link to um, the book that you mentioned, the grief recovery handbook, and then any other links that you want to share. Yeah, I will have those there for people so they can click on them. I'll send you some podcast links, some other podcast links as well. Okay. I, I just want anyone who's listening, if you're looking at retirement issues and the wonderful coaching that Kim has and anything that I've shared strikes you as this is something you would love to learn and know and teach, 
please connect with me. It would be my pleasure to support you to become a specialist and link you to the right people so that you can do that. Great. Or if you've had a loss and you want my support, it would be an honor. That's wonderful to hear. Thank you. Yeah, we'll make sure people can find you. So this era of COVID that we've been going through, there's a lot of loss and it isn't even necessarily someone you know. It's that there's stuff in the news. You see things that happen that are just tragic circumstances where entire families have been affected or children or just really heartbreaking situations. So how I I assume that's the same grief. Grief is grief, grief, I'm guessing, no matter where you get it from. It hurts. The grief that is intangible is as painful as what's tangible. We are taught in our culture how to acquire things. We are not taught what to do when we lose anything. We are falsely assuming that loss has to do with death or divorce. And don't think about the other surrounding features of loss that are so many. Oh, my gosh, for the women who are listening to us. If anyone has walked through fertility issues or past uh, miscarriages or had to have an abortion early in life or any of the sexual identity issues, these are intangible issues. They are all losses. Mm -hmm. And for them to be treated with respect and kindness and generosity of spirit with this program is something that is a part of the program as well. So what we've walked through as a nation and collectively across the globe with COVID circumstances is so horrific for all of us and not even to have lost a personal person to it, but just to be in the climate where we are exposed to the news every day. It's like secondary trauma every day to hear last year how many more thousands of people have died in our country or around the globe. It's horrific to process that and have a loving, compassionate, action-based program to teach us how to process pain is a gift. My only regret, Kim, in this um, knowledge that I have today of the last five years is that someone didn't introduce me to this method 30 years ago because the grief recovery method has been around for 43 years. And I wish that I knew it much earlier in life. But because I like to live on the side of gratitude, I'm so happy that I found it when I did. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to go about it, too. And I would hope that our, my listeners would feel the same way. If this is something that's inspiring you now, it's okay that you didn't know about it before. But now you do. Yes, so exactly. That's good. And I really like that you offer grief, this grief um, walk, as you call it, or, uh, you know, the recovery is that it doesn't just involve death because I did have a client who had had tremendous number of personal losses over a 12 year span in her family. And she knew that even though it had been 12 years, she really needed to get some help. And she wanted specifically to be in a support group in person for her virtual was just not an option. She didn't want that. And so trying to help her find a place where she could go was not easy because a lot of the times like a hospice organization, they had very strict rules about who could come into their grief recovery groups. And it had to be a loss that happened within 18 months. And it had definitely be the loss of a person's life. It could not, it was very specific. It could not involve uh, divorce or anything like that. So there's just a lot of people who are carrying around these losses 
And I like that you are acknowledging that there are all kinds of losses and that you can make space for that for people. Oh my goodness. So many kinds of losses. When I am, when I mentioned to you that I work at the detox center once per week, mm-hmm. I will ask in my first meeting with whomever is in front of me, here's a list of losses that I want you to count on your fingers to see how many of these have you had in your lifetime. They might be, Losing a mate, they might be losing someone in the family, they might be estrangement from a loved one of any kind, they might be moving across country, they might be being fired from their job, they might be fill in the blank of whatever has happened with a friend that's still on their heart and not resolved. And unresolved grief is so painful to carry around. What is unresolved grief? It usually can is the things that we wished had been different or better or more about any relationship. And what I teach my clients is how to deal with those feelings and emotions about what we wished had been different or better or more, or what we wish someone had said to us that had been different or better or more. And the feeling of relief, having walked through the action program that this is for my clients has been repetitively so transformative and a joy for me to witness because I needed it so much for myself and I'm so happy to be able to offer it to others. That's, that's really wonderful. Is there anything else that you'd like us to know? I would like any listener to know that if you're carrying around a boss that is current, I understand And if you're carrying around a loss that's 15 years back and you have a feeling of guilt about anything that happened in the past, what I teach each of my clients to know is that guilt many times does not apply in grief. Guilt is the definition of it in Webster's is an intent to harm. An intent, I repeat, to harm. And if there's never been an intent to harm, then there's nothing about which to be guilty except to be trained to alter our thinking about it. So if anyone is interested, it would be an honor to speak with you if you're a listener to be either uh, hearing more about the program or if you're interested to become a specialist, it would be my honor to lead you to the right people. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Kim. It's such a joy to talk with you. I am really happy that we found each other. Me too. Thank you. I've enjoyed having you on. I've learned a lot from you and I really appreciate what you're doing. And you're just like an angel trying to bring a lot of peace and healing to people. And that's just really a special, a special gift that you have. So thank you for coming on and telling us about it. And I will have all your information in the show notes. People can find you and, and reach out to you. Good. Wonderful. Thank, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you know anybody who you think would be a great subject for this podcast, please have them contact me. They can go to my website, retirementpurposecoach.com. And at the bottom of that front page, there is a contact section and they can just reach me right there. I'd love to hear from them. I am a certified retirement coach, so if you need any help from me with your retirement so that you have your own success story, you can contact me there as well. I'd like to thank Bokuwa and Wizzy2K for the use of their song, Will You Stay With Me? I have the link to that song in the show notes. 
Have an excellent rest of your day, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope it's purposeful. You'll enjoy your life so much better if that's your focus. Bye for now. Bye for now.